Oh no. Yes, it's the American Soccer Show. Eric, our cancer with recurring guest, Emmett McConnell here. Uh, glad to be on the show. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller here. Yeah, so happy you could join us. We have plenty to talk about. We're going to preview the FC Cincinnati season, LA Galaxy, Vancouver Whitecaps, Wing Revolution, and even FC Dallas. So we'll have plenty to talk about there. But before we get to any of that, we're going to talk, and this is how we'll kind of do things as the previews are going on. There are things that happen with teams that we've already talked about that we'll just kind of briefly talk about, depending on how important they are. Emmett, you ready to get started? Yeah, let's get into the news. Yes. Okay. So first things first, Minnesota United added 28-year-old fullback Romain Metanier. From Stad Reims, played only six matches so far this season, and almost all early in the season, so he's clearly fallen out of favor there. Adrian Heath, he can split. Say, oh my goodness, well, that's that's we're off to a great start here. Adrian Heath says he can play on both halves of the field. I, I don't know what he means by that because I looked at his page, and I does he mean like if you split the field in half between defense and offense? Because I've never seen this guy play on the left side according to transfer market. I guess he means that he could play on both sides. I mean, look at – I'm not assuming he's a, you know, a left-footed player, but let me look at, like, you know, Johnny Otto for Wolves. You can have right-footed players playing left-back. Look at Ray Gaddis. So it's a thing. Maybe he thinks he can play there and he's willing to give it a try, though he's never done it. Uh, so it's like saying, yeah, I could play both sides of the field, but <laughs> well, ha- have I? No. I think that's the, the right way to go about it. He can play both halves of the field as, as you sign a goalkeeper. Exactly. Yeah. Goal. yeah, he plays both sides. Well, anyway, a defensive signing makes sense for them. 37 appearances last season in Ligue 2, however. So, Due? Not a French person. Due. Due. Okay. So, yeah, in the second division of France, he made 37 appearances. Uh, uh, kind of, you know, we talk about Farmers Leagues. That one might be a little more Farmers League-esque. But still, you know, hey, he was a regular last season. So, this guy can play at least a little bit. My favorite part about him, none of that matters. He is from Madagascar, and he's played on that national team. Not a very good national team, by the way. <laughs> learning for learning from my time in South Africa, so it doesn't speak, uh, you know, wonders that he played uh, at the international level. But Minnesota certainly needs help on defense, uh, and I I think that this guy, at worst case scenario, will will provide competition in the situation in the in the in that position yeah we'll see but I, I just love that that he's from Madagascar I think we need more of these crazy national teams that you'd never think existed coming into MLS now well it turns out that the uh the the soccer scene in southern Africa Mozambique uh Namibia uh, is actually quite uh quite developed believe it or not Madagascar so uh it's it's not as if he just kind of they have they barely have like players there they have some so it's not like your players. It's not like your dream of uh, getting citizenship for a Caribbean nation and joining their national team. No, I don't think it's like that. I think they're a little bit more serious about it. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it there, but you know, I'm, I'm aging out of that. Pretty soon, that dream is going to be in the rear view. Oh, All right. Well, anyway, we move on. Uh, the Fire have actually brought back Johan Kapelhoff. Uh, he played right back and center back last season. So uh, the Fire finally did something that made a little bit of sense. Uh, David Ousted was also made official, so they've and to make room for these guys, they've gotten rid of Del Greco, which hilariously means they actually have the same amount of center backs since the last time we talked. Yeah, but I mean, Del Greco is—it's pretty obvious that he was not really depth or cover. He 
wasn't good enough because basically he came in and immediately was loaned out, right? It, um, he was brought in and it just didn't make any sense because he almost never played. And then it's like it's like he got there and they were like, I feel like we've been... I, like they saw highlight film of some other player and then when he came in they realized it wasn't the right player or they just like were talking to a team about a transfer and like you know what no take this guy instead he's just as good and uh, they're like oh yeah sure of course I believe that uh, but Kapelhoff I do think is a good signing I mean you don't have to look too far back to see his season with Jao Myra uh, when they finished third and that was a pretty good big uh, pretty good center back pairing if you ask me yeah they're still looking so, to replace Myra that was the problem yeah, and I wouldn't be too surprised if, you know, Schweinsteiger continues to play center back in a three-man back line. I like Kappelhoff on the outside there, uh, and we'll see. Maybe Grant Lillard at the other one. He's still young, but it's it's nice to see that they actually are looking like a full squad pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, Colorado apparently turned down a $3 million bid for Kellen Acosta. I wouldn't have blamed Colorado for taking it, so I am a little surprised they didn't. It's bonkers. At I would have taken that an instant. The only issue, I guess, uh, like, you know, well, it would be an issue if you were a competent club, which Colorado, frankly, these days is not, right? It, it would be an issue a little bit from the fans' perspective to say, like, are, you, are we just throwing in the white flag, for, or the, the towel for this season? But, I mean, for a club like this, I'm, I'm actually really shocked they didn't take it because, you know, it's not it's like... A lot of money. It's not like he's this difference-making player. At least I don't think he is now. Like, I don't think he's the, that big of a difference-maker, but... This is a transition season anyway, at least the way I see it. So, I mean, the last three years have been transition seasons. True. And with $3 million, I mean, if you look at some of the purchases that have gone out, um, you know, some really strong players have been transferred for, you know, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand. 900000 You get Para, for example, who was Defender of the Year two, two years ago. You get, like, three players of that quality for $3 million. And you mentioned Acosta is not a game-changer, but... He is a good player, okay? He's, you know, he's a U.S. men's national team veteran at this point. Um, I kind of compare him to, you know, Alejandro Bedoya. He's a runner. Uh, he doesn't really lose possession all that much, but he also doesn't do all that much for you. He's not like a, a great tackler or a great passer, but he can pretty much do everything. My favorite was Dave uh, Sarakin trying to play him out wide. I think that was a great experiment. Really? You liked that one? No. It was horrific, oh, okay. and I, I'm still shocked that he even tried. <laughs> I mean, so but, but that's the kind of the point with Acosta, right? Like, he's not a great winger. I mean, I, I honestly think you could throw him at center back and he would be serviceable. Uh, Don't tell that to Jurgen Klinsmann. He'll try it. <laughs> Jurgen somewhere is drawing on a whiteboard with Kellen Acosta as goalkeeper. Jermaine uh, Jones at center back. and He's 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 still drawing. He's at, like, the, the cork board with, like, uh, yarn and uh, pins going around, like, big <laughs> conspiracy theory. <laughs> I, I think for Colorado, though, it's like they need fans, and if they don't have a U.S. national team player uh, like Howard or Acosta, they don't think they can bring in the fans. I mean, they bought Jermaine Jones. That one was wonky. Yeah, okay. Uh, they pay a lot of money for Tim Howard to, you know, just sit in goal and look good. So Howard's gone after this year. Maybe they're thinking they need to keep having these guys. I don't know. We'll, it's tough. Yeah, we'll see. Finally, the last you mentioned him already, uh, Ike Opara had been rumored to be traded for Minnesota, which has been now been made official. So that, that's a that's a big one for Minnesota for sure. I There's been talk that he that Alpara and Vermees had a bit of a falling out, which explains why he was traded. I, I think it's a massive signing for Minnesota. It's a veteran player. You mentioned Defensive Player of the Year in the past. Wonders for their back line. Sorely needed. I think along him and Ozzie, 
uh, there was some arguments between some MLS writers uh, if that was a good move. I can't see this being a bad move for Minnesota, who has, you know, as we not- noted, a pretty good firepower up top with Darren Quintero and some other guys. Th- this is only going to make their defense stronger, which was really their weak point. Uh, I could I could see Minnesota coming up and being a, a little bit better, a little bit, a lot better next year, kind of shedding that NASL um, tag that they've kind of been holding on to since promotion. Agreed. So that's all the news we got, but you wanted to talk a little bit about what has made this offseason just a little bit different. Yeah, I've noticed something. Um, last year we saw um, a lot of movement uh, for young South American players. Um and it wasn't just last year. It started earlier. But you can just go through the names. Uh, Ezekiel Barco, um, Rossi, Yanhel Herrera, Joseph Martinez, Miguel Almiron, Kaku, Luis Caicedo, uh, Josue Coleman, Christian Coleman. And the list goes on. And these are guys So you know, I say young because MLS is 24 and under. Some of these guys are 23, 24. You know, that's one, two years out of college here. So that's still pretty young. It seems this year, I've noticed, that we're getting a bit of a switch. We're getting more teams who can't afford paying, you know, 10, 15 million for Barco, for the Barcos of the world. They're instead paying, you know, 600, 700,000 for a proven European player. They might not be playing at the top levels. I mean, we saw just just recently, we're looking at uh, Minnesota signing uh, Metanier. He's played in League 1 just a little bit, and League 2, he's played a lot. We're seeing, you'll see a lot moving down the list of players from the second division in Spain, uh, Austria, uh, Denmark, uh, Cincinnati, and Minnesota seem to be making a lot of these. Um, and I think they're going to work. I think it's it's going to be a new meta for some of these teams. I mean, Harris Mandunian was the only one before that I can really think of who was like a veteran through Europe but was never really like a top player in a, or a player in a top league. You know, second division, maybe a bench player in a top division. But I think we're going to start seeing a lot of this to compete with the teams that spend a lot in South America. There you go. It is, we are on our way to MLS 4.0. And perhaps a little bit more willingness to spend on defenders. You know, for the longest time, you were never bringing in defenders for big money because, you know, they didn't sell defense doesn't sell tickets. The old cliche is that offense sells the tickets. I think we are also going to start seeing more and more investing into defenses. As the offenses get better in MLS, they're going to need to be countered. And as teams find out, like the Galaxy did last season, that you can't win with just offense. Exactly. And you know, as we see the league growing so much, we're also starting to see less and less veteran players from MLS sticking around. The guys who are considered veterans now are like Bradley and Bedoya, um, Acosta almost even. They're guys who you know, are top players, basically. The guys like Eric Alexander, who's a veteran, probably won't be a starter uh, for uh, Cincinnati. So this is, it seems like a way for teams to say, okay, well, we want our young guys, but we also need veterans to lead the lines to kind of uh, mentor the younger guys. And I think that's why we're seeing some of that as well. Um, and of the, of the names I listed, by the way, not a single one was a defender. There was one player who was a defensive mid, Luis Caicedo, on, on New England, but everyone else, um, you know, and there's more than I listed, of course, but they're all forwards, wingers. So you need to fill out other parts of the team. Yeah, there you go. All right, it's preview time, and speaking of... Filling out a team, FC Cincinnati had that task in front of them this offseason. Perhaps not finished, but 
definitely have put together an interesting roster so far, and it's January. And, well, today's actually February 1st, so they've made a little more progress than teams in the past that have waited a little longer to start putting together rosters. But they look pretty good, I think. Yeah, I agree. All things considered. Um, and like I said, we see, we're going to see a lot of experienced European players uh, on this team. But, um, you know, I was doing a little bit of research into it. Uh, their head coach, Alan Koch, South African, by the way, he's a bit of an unknown. He hasn't really coached at this level yet. So honestly, when we're looking at, oh, how is his team going to perform, I have a bigger question mark over Koch and how uh, he's going to be, he's going to perform at this level. Right. It'll be a transition for him, too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these guys. You know, they brought in a bunch of you know MLS guys from across the league, some European guys, um, and I, I think actually their transition won't be too crazy. But I think he's the big one I'm looking at. Agreed. So we're gonna look at the roster at least a little bit here. Try to talk about the things that they've, the pieces that they've brought in, and how we think they're gonna mesh together. And of course, we got to start with the most important position on the field: goalkeepers. Uh, you just know how to get to me. You flatter me. <laughs> Primslaw Titan. Shevislaw. Oh, Shevislaw. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> I had to look that Shevislaw, up. Shevislaw, uh, Titan, and then uh, Spencer Ritchie will be his backup. Titan, and I love that last name. I'm not even sure that's how you say it, but I love that. It's that, not, but we'll let it go. How, how do you say it? <laughs> Titone? Oh, that's no fun. Uh, Titone brings experience, 32 years old, Polish international. He's played in Holland, Spain, Germany. So, you know, not MLS proven, but, you know, with the places he's been, I'm going to go ahead and say he's probably going to be just fine, even at 32 32, remember, is not that old for a goalkeeper. Right. He's still got some good years ahead of him. And, I mean, there was a point where he was back up to Wojciech Szczesny ahead of Lucas Fabianski, who's been, I mean, ter- you know, a star in the Premier League for the past five years. So this is a guy who has plenty of experience in my book and another person who, you know, is kind of looking at the new transfer policy of some of these teams. Right. Experienced European guy. I think he'll be a good fit. I think so, too. So defense has uh, a lot of mixed and match pieces here, some experience, some kind of younger. They've brought in uh, Alvis Powell. They've brought in uh, guys like Matteo Duplain and Hassan Ndam. You know, Hassan Ndam, obviously a little more of a project. Duplain having a little more experience, having played at you know other places before. So an interesting kind of mix that they've done so far. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm excited for what their fullbacks look like. Alvis Powell is a very dynamic uh, he's still got a, a player. He's fast, strong, good on the dribble, good shot. Still got to work on some defensive uh, positioning and whatnot. And then Greg Gars at left back. That's that's a position that we can. There's often a weak link for teams, and they already got two good ones. So I'm excited for them. And then obviously Kendall Waston is was their big transfer, I'd guess, this year, right? Yeah, they definitely. They've also invested that as well. So you know some pieces that have been around the league before. So you know, and they're known quantities. They're not. They're not going to jump off the page. They're certainly not going to, you know, be best defense in MLS. But good enough to get the job done, in my opinion, and certainly not get run off the pitch the way guys like teams like Minnesota have in the last few years when they've come into the league. Even Orlando and New York City when they first came into the league, they had trouble defending. Right, and it was just. I mean, other than getting Adi last year, uh, pretty much all of their moves early on were to get these uh, these defenders, weren't they? Yeah. They do have, so I think, a surplus of center mids, though. They've, they brought right. in Caleb Stanko, a name that U.S. men's national team fans may remember. Hasn't been a, a, a talking point for quite some time in the national team scene, but he's here now. Uh, Victor Ojoa from FC Dallas and Fatai Alashi from San Jose. So just a couple names in that center mid that they, you know, we'll see how they end up choosing to play. I think with you know, that amount of center mids, they probably will try to take advantage of that fact. 
Yeah, and that's... Um, I think that's a pretty solid center three. You got uh, Bertone, another... I mean, on this list, we have, what, between Bertone, Deplane, and Teton, you have three experienced European guys uh, who I'm very excited to see what they bring. But we know Uyoa and Alashe bring MLS expertise. They were very good for their teams. Alashe, maybe not very good, but he was very solid, at least. Uh, so, I mean... That's it's a it's a good midfield three, right? That's not a no, that's not bad at all. I think that you know Stanko, I, I I will have to see a little bit from him first because you know it, it's easy to say that well he was playing in in uh, in Europe before, so you know he should be an easy fit for the league. But that's not always the case with players like him who were fringe players in Europe coming over to MLS. Sometimes the move doesn't do them as much good as we would like it to do. Yeah, so it's tough to see, but it's good. At, he'll at least be depth. At best, he'll be a guy who can kind of push Alashe out of the lineup. Uh, they also have Eric Alexander for depth there. So, you know, the center mid, it's, it's, I think it ranks from Bertone being a star who comes in and just controls the midfield to at least you have a decent midfield who isn't going to hold you back. Agreed. So they've got, I think they've got that set up pretty well. I do think that they could use a little more uh, forward midfield wing depth, those types of positions yep. right now. Roland Lamar, Eric Alexander, you mentioned can play in the mid. He can play kind of both. And then uh, Emmanuel Ledesma, a lot of people have been talking. I've seen a lot of talk from FC Cincinnati fans that they're excited about what he can do, but yeah, it's not a very that's not that's not a very jump off the page type of attacking front, so to speak. Yeah, that's a and that's a tough jump of level of play. I mean, he did lead the league in assists at USL, but that's it's a different monster now in MLS. Uh, Ledesma, Adi, Lama. I I mean, there's there's goals there. The question is. You know, I do we think they're going to be any I, anything to you know to take the league by storm like LAFC or Atlanta? I don't think so. No, because I I think that the issue that they'll have is right now at least the way the roster is constructed they they look like they're going to lack some goals and you know we'll see how they play obviously uh, you know if they're going to do goal by committee which I think they're going to have to do because I don't you know Fernando Adi and as much as I love Darren Maddox neither of them inspire me as more than you know maybe the, each of them score ten goals this season. Uh, if that if that's all you're getting from them, you're going to need a lot of goals from a lot of different places. And uh, some of the players that we've just mentioned, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. Lamar has some goals in him. He had a down season at Dallas last year, I think. Uh, yeah, the midfielders don't strike me as goal scorers for the most part. Most point, lost in offset piece is a major threat. Uh, but I, you know, what? I don't think they're going to. I do think they're going to be bottom of the league, at least bottom half in goals. Uh, quite easily, but I kind of see them as a as Columbus last year. They didn't score a lot of goals, but they knew how to win games. They could grind. They'll grind out results. I mean, between just you know that the back five goalkeeper and defenders and Uyoa and Elasha, you got it's gonna be tough to get through. Yeah, we'll see how Bertone fits in there, but or Stanko, uh, but I don't think teams are gonna find it easy to break them down. We've left out uh, Alan Cruz too, uh, Costa Rican international. Who is also mm-hmm. another kind of piece in that play, probably play in front of the back line more than some of these other guys who will probably play a little bit more forward, but still very another midfielder. Yeah, so I think we're going to see a team that, uh, which we don't see often, is going to try to be a, think maybe defense first, try to you know play the ball through Addy and get you know get him the counter with, with Lamont Ledesma using pace wide. Uh, so it's. It'll be an interesting project because it's definitely something we haven't seen recently from a uh, from an expansion side. Yeah, so we'll take a look at how they do this in their first season. LA Galaxy, meanwhile, one of the oldest franchises in the league, 
Guillermo Barros Stiletto returns to MLS where he was a player with Columbus, fresh off a title in the Argentine League and a trip to the Copa Libertadores final with Boca Juniors. He also won the Sudamericana when he was in South America with another team. Galaxy's first concern would have to be that there's four DPs currently still on the roster. You got the Dos Santos brothers, Giovanni and Jonathan. Romain Alessandrini is still there. And, of course, Latan Ibrahimovic, who signed that big contract in the offseason to become a DP. Hmm, crazy how they... Uh... There hasn't been a lot of attention around this, but there's been a lot around Atlanta's 4DP situation, which was just remedied. Yeah, that's because uh, they're all good. The, the four DPs in Atlanta were all good. Well, three of them were really good. The fourth, Barco. Eh. We still got to see some stuff from him. But the point uh, here that I, is that I that I want to make about LA at least is that I don't think I've seen enough changes between uh, last year and this year to give me a lot of hope for them. I mean the incoming of you know the new head coach was massive news everyone thought he's going to turn things around but what else has happened they lost ashley cole not much else yeah that's that's pretty rough michael channy's gone that's you know addition by subtraction as they say right um he was you know he wasn't meant to be a big player for them last year he ended up being quite useful uh they still do i know daniel steris and david romney ended up being a decent pairing as the year wound down they still have jorgen skelvik but that defense is still a problem. They don't even have a left back. Yeah, this is going to be very interesting with this Galaxy team. Uh, I think I think they may be thinking that Felcher is going to play left back. But that's going to be then, tough. Then who, I don't know. I This team looks like it's set up to play a three or a five back system. Uh, but I, I don't think uh, Barrio Scalato is going to want to play that. that. That's definitely a tough ask, too, because then you're really putting the pressure on having three center backs, which is... Not ideal for this team. So I, I I thought it through, and I was like, okay, you have Romney, Steres, I think they're probably first choice. You could probably pay Felcher at one of the center back positions, maybe wing back. You have Skjelvik, but then there's no depth after that. Well, I'm looking at like a roster rundown like of their depth chart, and it is brutal in that defensive side. So I, I agree with you. There's almost no fullbacks on this roster right now. And the reason why I'm thinking three or five back is because, yet again, they have Zlatan and Kamara, two guys who are out-and-out forwards. One isn't really play under the other. Um, I don't, you know, a 4-4-2 didn't really work last year. I think they need the three midfielders because we all kind of thought, oh, Perry Kitchen, he's going to be a good addition. Jonathan Dos Santos is good. But they, you know, just them two alone, I don't think they it was good enough. No, it definitely wasn't. They and they, I mean, they have shown that they didn't think so either. Juninho's back, right? Which is a good signing. I, that's... I don't, you know, I don't, I don't dislike it, but it just goes to show you what they think of Kitchen as the main starter, kind of that sit number six role. I think he's going to need support, uh, and that's what a three back system would give you. I think you can play Alessandrini at left wing back. Tell him you don't need to track back as much, and then have the midfield three of Jonathan Dos Santos, Kitchen, and Juninho as guys who you know can all support each other because no guy none of those guys is going to be able strong enough defensively uh or even offensively to play in a two mid system i think you could play a le- they're good player you could play legit at uh wing back that was what i was thinking you play legit at the right wing back uh he can kind of be almost be a free floater comes back to defense a lot but also gets forward gets into the midfield because uh, he's a guy who's you know a utility player no one's really figured out his best position yet my favorite was the uh, Chris Pontius experiment right last wing season, back. the wing back. Yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? Though it could have been worse. Uh, I definitely, I, I can tell you that when it when it happened, I was I was 
baffled, but yeah, I have to admit that it was definitely better than I would have ever thought it would work. He's strong. He's good in the air. He's fairly fast. You know, it's he he could be a, a right back option, but I mean, I don't think Felcher is exactly a terrific right back. Um, so they still do have some defensive woes, uh, but of course, they have probably two of the best players in the league in Zlatan and Alessandrini. So you'd think they should be getting in the playoffs just with that alone, to be honest. You'd think so. And, I mean, they basically almost made it. They were one result away from making it. So I would think that this team having a better coach, you know, no no, you know, disrespect to those that were there before. But, you know, Guillermo Barros-Scaletto kind of on his own level at this point. I think that they have at least done something to try and improve the defense, even if it's not a lot. And, look, they're still going to score a lot of goals. Nothing, nothing in that category has changed. Mm-hmm. And I do want to take your attention to a signing that hasn't actually been made yet. And it's Diego Polonta. Yeah, he he's a center back that they have apparently been targeting for quite some time. So I think that is what they're hoping for, is to bring Polenta in, and that can help slide uh, Felcher to one of the fullback positions. And then, you know, you kind of figure out the other one as time goes on. Yeah, I mean... I would think they're in the market for a left back because you wouldn't want to play Alessandrini as a you know a, a more old school fullback. Uh, but I was kind of expecting you know Scalotto was going to want to play like a four two three one without a left back. I don't know I don't know how that's going to happen. So well, we'll have to see. Uh, they also acquired uh, Uriel Antuna from Manchester City on loan. So a lot young players going to need some playing time. But uh, in this side, we'll see how much he gets. Because in the attacking front, they don't really have a lot of uh, need for one. But he's here. Or sp- or space. Yeah. I mean, they... And here's the thing with the Galaxy. They do have a decent youth uh, pipeline. Um, they have some 16, 17-year-olds with some promise. The problem is they rarely get a chance. So um, I will see how Scalotto kind of incorporates these guys in the team because, you know, sometimes that's nice to have that injection of youth when you have a lot of older guys kind of complacent in their ability yeah i think uh and alvarez is the one everyone's calling for yeah alvarez they have a uh he, he's definitely the big one if he doesn't seem see you know at least some rotational time this year i think oh uh, 2002 sorry i don't mean to i don't mean to make this any less about what you're saying but he's born in 2002 so he's 16 oh no yeah he's young they have some 16 17 year olds who are really talented so I mean, they can only play at Galaxy 2 for so long, you know, tearing it up I before someone comes a-knocking. So this is, we'll see. The previous coaches, again, no disrespect, but they were guys who kind of favored experience, uh, veterans on the field. So, I mean, look at this lineup. That is not a young lineup. That's <laughs> feel, a lot of... I, I feel like I'm, I'm breaking down Chelsea, listening to talk. Well, the last manager didn't really want to play the youth. Yeah, no kidding. Maybe the new one will. Nope. So... It's it's tough because everyone in this lineup is basically twenty eight or older. Yeah. So they need some youth please, injection. Please don't leave Callum Hudson Odo. All right. Anyway, we go, <laughs> we move on to another team, Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, as expected, this team's seeing a lot of m- massive overhaul under Mark Dos Santos, officially taking the post as manager. He also has no MLS experience. He's had some success in NASL and USL, including he won the la- uh, 2017 Soccer Bowl, which, in fact, as of this recording, was the last Soccer Bowl. So he'll, he'll hold that <laughs> distinction for some time. Can't take that away from him, ever. Yeah. 
So this this is going to be one of the harder teams to predict. This is the amount of turnover here is insane. Alfonso Davies, Kendall Waston, uh, Mesquita, Breck Shea, Kai Kamar, all Our gone. Favorite. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Breck Shea, really a big loss there. Uh, they're all gone though. So that's four of the six leaders in appearances for this team are just gone. And the question is, do the people that replace them with are they as good or better? I don't think so. I do not as well. Uh, they're bringing in some guys who are not coming from a level that you would think uh, Vancouver should be aiming for. No, Vancouver, look, just just to list some names here, and I, I hate to just drop uh, like 20 names at once, but just to give you an idea. You, know, you got guys like PC, uh, Derek Cornelius, Las Bongora, Scott Sutter, John Aris, and Lucas Venuto. I, I, some of those names are okay, but you know the retreads. If you when you hear the names, you know who the retreads are, and you know that they're coming like PC and Suter coming from Orlando City, who already had a terrible defense. Exactly, they're not coming from a position where you'd think, "Oh, these guys were backups and rotations on one of the worst teams in the league last year." They'll be impact players here. Wouldn't like that if I was a Vancouver fan, not one bit. Um, so some of the other guys, okay, it looks like they went you know, abroad for some, so they're more up in the air. Last Bangora, uh, if you were a FIFA player in the days of, like, 2012, he was, like, really fast, and so he was a good player for that. I think he'll be a serviceable winger, but is he a replacement for Alfonso Davies? No, well, no one is. Not even close. It's not, uh, that may not be a fair comparison, but when you have to live with the fact that Vancouver lost Kamara and Davies, and you have a lot of shoes to fill, and you're not just going to fill them with one or two players. So, you know, look, I liked, personally, I like Lucas Venuto, who's coming from Austria. He seems to have a good goal-scoring threat and has a ton of experience at the young age of 24. I, so, you Another. know, that's not a bad signing, but again, it's like... I have to see it on the field, and when they have a bad history of bringing in these types of players, because their best player currently in franchise history, at least, you know, we would all probably agree to this, Alfonso Davies was a homegrown player. So it's tough for me to see them just kind of bring these guys in and assume that they're going to be able to fill these shoes when last season they were so average as it was. It's not even, it's not like they're exactly trying to live up to, you know, a first place team losing their best players. That said, Venuto, another guy coming from European expertise, 24, not exactly old, but that's, you know, given they start at like 17 there, that's still like seven years at a top level, or at a good level at least. Uh, so I think that's a good one. Bangora, looking at his history, um, mostly a second division player in Spain. Uh, again, that's kind of the movement a lot of these teams have been making. Uh, I think he'll be serviceable. You know, I don't think he's Alfonso Davies. I think he's more... Uh, Mesquita or Brechet, uh, as much as that kind of hurts things <laughs> to say. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, hopefully a little better than Brechet. But, yeah, no, I agree that, that that's the kind of impact you could have. And, look, you know, ev- not every signing needs to be a home run. Vancouver was at the point where they just need serviceable players to play week in and week out. True, and I don't think you can even expect signings to be a home run at that rate. But, you, do, you know, you do need some of these guys to at least be um, serviceable. Is, is a word I always use. Uh, I, I noticed they did bring in three homegrowns this year. Uh, Theo Bear, Michael Baldiz, Baldissimo, and Simon Co- uh, Collins. That second guy, what a name, Baldissimo, very bald. Baldissimo. Um, we'll see. I would expect that they're going to try to get some involvement with him because after striking gold once with Davies, I think they're going to try to do it again. Well, this is certainly a think- team that you would expect to bring in these kind of, and actually play them. Yeah, and I, I think it wouldn't be too hard for them to displace the likes of Suter and PC. 
given their history at um, at Orlando, which is why, you know, I think some of the guys like Venuto, Arise, I think will be good signing. Um, he, he unfortunately he started pretty high in the Spanish ladder. He's kind of dropped down levels each year. Uh, 32, I think another, you know, player, proven European experienced player. We're seeing again this movement this year. Um, I think he'll be useful, but then they have made one other transfer that I just I, I still don't really get. Um, their DP signing oh, yes. Wang in Biome. I if I because I can't wrap my head around this one. <laughs> second division of South Korea. Second, okay, so right, second division in Spain. You could still say okay, UD Almeria is probably at least an MLS level. You know, they go up and down. Some of those teams go up and down fairly frequently. This is the second division in Korea, where the first division, I wouldn't even be sure, is good enough. And given that, as a number 10, he hasn't had a season more than four goals or four assists in like six years. I saw some highlight videos of him because, you know, of course, that's the only way I can actually scout anyone, right? <laughs> of course. The only reliable way. He, This man is running circles around these people, so he's clearly better than the level there. So that's, that's I guess, a good sign. But it is mind-blowing to see this. Like, you just see these leagues that some of these guys play in, and you're like, how do you even know that this guy exists? So credit where it's due to whoever's playing that save of football manager and convince them to uh, make that signing. The only thing I'll say is that there was a comment made, I think, on the like an announcement page on Reddit where someone mentioned that this guy, like the, the, the K2 league, is like really weird because there are teams in the K2 that spend just as much money as teams in K1. And I'm like, interesting. That's okay. So that's interesting. Now, you know, money is money. So that's you know that doesn't mean anything for level. They're in K two for a reason, right? But I guess if you want something to make you feel better, I I don't know. This is a risky signing. I know it's a youth DP, so his money, so his contract's not as big as a regular DP. But uh, man, <laughs> it ta- it's going to take a lot of stones, and I'm sure the guy who scouted him and has recommended him to the front office will be rooting for him very hard every single week. Because we'll be sweating that one. That's that's a bold signing. So and and listen, I do I know I recognize this name as being a, one of those players who is fairly highly regarded in South Korea, um, but coming from K two, his stats don't really make it seem like he's been exactly a prolific player. Um, he's twenty two, so in terms of like worldwide soccer, he he's reached the end of his youth level, and he's in the level where you're like, all right, what have you got now? Um, at MLS level, it's like, okay, you just graduated college and you're a rookie. Um, I still find that strange. It's it's a gamble, plain and simple. Um, I still think they need some defensive boots. Well, they did make one this morning. They've made – Look at that. They brought in Jasser Kamiri from the Tunisian men's national team. So he's been – he's 21 years old, and he's 6'4", so that's pretty big. Kendall Waston-esque, you might say. Yeah, uh, apparently Kamiri is also the first Tunisian to sign an MLS. Good for him. Uh, that one seems... I mean, you know, Tunisia, weren't they in the... Uh, they were in the World Cup. They were in the World Cup this past year, so that's that's not you know the Madagascan uh, <laughs> international team. That's a, that's a bit stronger of, a, uh, of, the Af- of an African team. Uh, that said... We're seeing if we go through kind of some of the replacements, you know, they, okay, Bangora for Mesquita, uh, you know, Venuto can play some midfield. I guess PC is a winger, Suter in defense. Like, they have some replacements. Um, 
Yeah, but this is this is going to be an interesting team. It. Now they did bring back Felipe and Reyna, so Jordi Reyna's back. That's a good one. <laughs> yep, that's they'll need him. They'll need his uh, leadership. Uh, I'm just worried about what their who their striker is going to be because uh, you know they lost Kamara and they loaned out Anthony Blondell, who is their backup. So unless they end up playing Venuto or uh, Indeom or Bangura, you know, out of position at striker. False nine, maybe? I don't know. Uh, I will get back to you on a striker in a moment. I just wanted to briefly talk about this guy. that Kamiri, by the way, playing in Tunisia. So it's not he was not like playing somewhere else. He, was, he is straight from Tunisia, which is, again, mm-hmm. interesting. But um, I guess um, luck favors the brave? I don't know. Does it, though? Uh, we'll see. Uh, He's 21. It's pretty young for a defender. It is 6'4". That's pretty good size. Uh, so if he if he's any you know if he's any good that should help. Yeah, physicality can help. It can slow him down. So we'll see how that uh, works out. It's it's good to see them sign defenders because I don't think some of the guys they brought in are anything more than depth signings. Uh, they still have Noritsky. They still have uh, Marcel De Jong. Um, they have him now. Felipe, I think, is an okay number eight. Uh, you know, eight or six who can defend in front of the front of the back line. So. Just looking through everything, unless some of these guys surprise me, unless like Arise is like, you know, this maestro in the midfield who just controls the pace of the game. <laughs> that would be something. I, and unless like you know, Inbeom is like ends up being the, the next like Nicholas Ladero, I I I foresee some uh, a mediocre season. Yeah, I could see that for sure as well. That was my opinion even before these signings, and these signings haven't made me feel any different about how I think that they're going to have a. I think they're going to have a rough season here as they try to transition uh, between coaches to try to transition out of the Alfonso Davies era and into a new you know group of players. And yeah, we'll see how they do. Maybe they'll surprise us. And that is always a possibility when a team does go through this kind of overhaul. We've seen it before, Colorado. I don't know that a lot of people expected them to just immediately jump into the playoffs the way they did. So that's. But again, they've had. Colorado did that a while back, but then also in more recent years, they've had overhauls that haven't worked. Orlando had overhauls that haven't worked. Uh, The expansion teams, I guess those have to be overhauls. Those have worked, I guess. LAFC in uh, Atlanta, but it's it's certainly more challenging to do an overhaul and make it right than it is to mess it up. One more thing on the subject of the striker. I think Jordi Jordi Reyna could probably play forward. He's played forward before. So yeah, he he could play up there, but I the, the question is if you are relying on him to be a game in game out striker for them, uh, or if they have something on the books, yeah. we'll see. Or if they plan to pull up their sleeves, or maybe they're planning on starting nineteen year old Theo Bear. That would be incredibly interesting, and I'd prefer probably to watch some of these youth players like that playing over Las Bangora. PC and Scott Super. <laughs> PC, oh PC, that's just something. Anyway, uh. So, uh, oh, and Mark Dos Santos also mentioned that he, they are in the stages of finalizing the details. They have two strikers ready to sign, according to the manager, Mark Dos Santos. So, we'll see who that is. That's kind of what I expect. They need to sign at least one, even if, you know, you say, oh, but they have the youth guy, they, they have Reyna. Um, it's still too unknown. I would expect them to want a proven goal scorer. Agreed. All right, so we move on then to the New England Revolution team that another team kind of in a bit of in the second stage we, we keep talking about these teams that have started their overhauls this is a team now kind of moving into the second year of, of an overhaul uh brad friedel second year in charge i wonder how this project is kind of coming along 
they've brought in Edgar Castillo from Colorado. Personally, I like him. Uh, and Juan Fernando Caicedo from Colombia. I don't. I couldn't find out if uh, he and the other Caicedo on the roster are related. <laughs> I don't think so, because one's Ecuadorian and one's Colombian. So I would guess not in that case. But uh, that's. I think that Castillo, I'm not as much of a fan of, but uh, Caicedo seems like he'll be. Um, he, he'll probably be a better signing. Castillo, I, I've never been a huge fan of his. He doesn't really know how to defend. He's good attacking. Uh, but I think he'll be leaky in a defense that was already quite leaky before. Yeah, the, I think it, the other left back on the roster's last name is Bai, so, you know. Brandon Bai, yeah, he's pretty young. Uh, I, he, he ended up getting time towards the end of last year. My big question is, okay, so New England started great last year, right? Yeah. They did. I picked I picked him as a dark horse early on, and I was you know cheering and going happy. <laughs> Second half of the year, it just fell off. They couldn't buy a win, and I when I look through the roster, the defense isn't great. It's okay. I would consider it maybe even below average, and they don't really have a forward. No, they don't. It's it's kind of a mixed match roster. You now, Cachedo, by the way, uh, Hunt for now, Cachedo is probably going to fill that forward role. I will say that. So he he was just brought in recently, so there's not a ton on him, but he's a very good player from what I've seen. He has a good goal-scoring record from his Colombian team, and I think he'll be able to lead the line. Now, again, that does also come with a lot of ifs because that's not an MLS-proven player, and we don't know how he'll react. But he's 29 years old, so he's in the prime of his career now. He's played a lot in Colombia, and he scored goals there. So it's not unthinkable to think that this guy could come in and do some damage. And I'd expect uh, a lot of a lot to be on his shoulders, but they, you know, last year it was almost like they played forward by committee between Agudelo, Pinilla, and Bunbury, uh, who were, you know, Bunbury ended up playing more right wing, Pinilla on the left, and they would kind of, I guess, rotate around as forwards. But listen, as a front line, that's not terrible. Pinilla was really good last year. I was a big fan of his, and uh, Bunbury had a pretty solid season. He was kind of the person who picked up the goal scoring. Uh, when they didn't really have someone who was doing it. Yeah, I agree. They, they've they definitely, they've got some interesting pieces here. I, I guess it's kind of hard to get excited about any of them because it is also difficult to say, like, Kellen Rowe's gone, right? That's the piece that was given up for Edgar Castillo. Now, when in that perspective, I like Castillo, but I don't know if I like him more than Kellen Rowe. But they weren't even really using Kellen Rowe all that much. True. So it's it's like a, you know, he's valuable piece. Yes, we like Kellen Rowe here. Uh, but he wasn't getting use, and I think it could have. They can use a defender, so you know maybe Castillo has more value to them specifically. Even though I, you know, I do think Kellen Rose a better player. Um, I'm still wondering about Fagundes. You know, he was very adamant about leaving right earlier in the off season. He's still around. I haven't heard anything since. Uh, and you know, when Lee Win left, people were kind of worried, but you know, Fagundes has been just as good. And when Fagundes leaves, it doesn't look like they really have a number 10 who can fill in. You know, you could probably play a second striker with Agudelo or Bunbury, uh, but that changes the team a lot. It does. I mean, you know, there's been talk about that. Agudelo, there's been rumors with his name around the place as well. Uh, Carl's Gill is a player that I don't think has actually been officially announced. I can't. I can't find if he's actually been officially announced, but that's that's a player that they've also been in. That's an attacking player that could play uh, up top if that's the way they want to go. Uh, right. As a right um, winger. And it seems like they kind of have these versatile players. Um, 
which I guess is nice for Friedel, but also, you know, when you have those, when you're versatile like that, you usually aren't as good at, you know, if you're, if you're playing as a striker, you might not be as good of a goal scorer because you can do all these other things. Um, but, I, you know, I honestly, I, I'm seeing the same thing um, from the Revolution. Um, now they actually have some decent fullbacks on both sides. You know, they do have uh, Farrell on the right, who's a good right back. Uh, but I, I'm wondering if it's going to be the same issues as last year, same eighth or ninth finish. Yeah, it could be tough. This team really does have some decent talent, you know, kind of scattered around the roster. I just feel like they might need that extra one or two players, you know, that could put them over the top. And, you know, we'll see if those signings that they've brought in are those types of players. Brad Friedel, I think, showed his his acumen last season. He seems like he, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think he'll be competitive in MLS for a long time. It's just a matter of him getting the backing that he maybe needs to get that going and they don't have any dps so if that if you want to know kind of what's going on financially there look i money's not everything i get that you know what you spend on a player is not everything but when you have three dp spots and you've refused to use any of them that's that's bold yeah it's not uh most teams don't go down that route you want some talented players and i mean they have some but uh, and um they don't have any dps level players certainly and, I, and i'll be fair i guess because the only dp they had last season was uh claude dielna and he stopped playing halfway through the season so so yeah that dp didn't work out maybe they're wary of paying someone that much who they don't know about maybe they're planning on they have something in the works oh no i mean i was i was wrong about that it is uh carlos gill is a dp so they will have a dp on the roster now there we go. Carlos Just one, Gale. though. So, uh, yeah, that player that I was talking about. So they've they've clearly invested money on this guy. They think that he can help the attack. So uh, I think a little bit more weight on his shoulders now than I originally thought. Yeah, but they have now Caicedo. They have Pania. They have him. Um, that kind of takes away that forward by committee that they've been doing with Agudelo and Bunbury. So, I mean, I still think this is, like, one of the least, I mean, like, sexy in terms of appeal of teams in the league. Yes, they are. But they're not, they're not, they're not going to get a lot of national TV time. Um, but, you know, they're okay. They're solid. Yeah, well, if only their owner knew he had a soccer team. Wouldn't that be great? I think if he realized that, perhaps we'd see New England uh, competing quite a bit more because there are pieces there to be better. Um, just, you know, got to have the full picture. Yeah, but we'll see. I think they'll be a contender for that seventh playoff spot. But They'll be right around that, eighth or ninth, I think. There you go. FC Dallas. Luchi Gonzalez takes over as the manager here after spending six years as the team's academy director. Natural fit in that sense, given their new mentality to focus on the youth. So here's the thing. Their new DP, Brian Acosta, he was playing in the second division of Spain. Again, not too glamorous, but uh, hey, a Honduran playing in the second division of Spain. That's pretty big for the Hondurans. Right. And now another Honduran playing in the, in uh, Texas in the MLS. Uh, they know how to fill that stadium. Yeah, then who can do it better? Uh, but yet again, this is another player from, you know, second division in Europe with experience. Seeing many moves like that this year. We are, but I'm more interested in uh, the the fact that FC Dallas, of all teams, is actually currently not roster compliant with their four DPs. Right, and I, I've noticed they have this, you know, oh, we're going to go to youth. But you look at all the people they brought in and how, who they got out. They're not leaving a lot of space for their youth to step in. This team is interesting. I, that's the best way I can put it. Like, there's a lot of like, mi- like talent in some positions, and then some other positions are just absolute 
barren wastelands. So the four DPs, by the way, Carlos Grezo, Christian Coleman, who, you know, we saw last season fail to kind of live up to any expectations that he had coming in. Uh, Grezo, very solid midfielder. Santiago Mosquera, an advanced midfielder that plays pretty well. And now Brian Acosta's coming as well. Now, there is a rumor that Grezo's heading out, but it's kind of weird, right, to have this team with this issue that doesn't we don't think of a, as a big spender yet. They have four DPs still. And they made a big, you know, fuss about going to youth. I mean, they did get rid of a decent amount of players, uh, but they still have, um, it, you know, a lot of older guys that, that they brought in, that ones they still have. Um, the eight, average age of the team is young. It's still only 24. Um, and there are a couple spots, I think, where we're going to see some some youth guys stepping in. Uh, you know, but some of these additions, I don't know. It's, it's, it seems like, you know, they brought in a 30-year-old Polish guy. That doesn't strike me as a team that wants to uh, <laughs> Ouch. move towards youth. <laughs> well, this this has lost a lot of squad players, though, too. Maxi Arruti is gone. Roland Lamas is gone. Victor Ojoa, Tesha Akindele, Minor Figueroa. They all saw decent amounts of time last season, Figueroa less so. But they, decent amounts of time last season. That doesn't even account for the fact that they've lost Mauro Diaz and Kellen Acosta as well midseason for some cash and Dominic Baggi, respectively everyone's favorite striker, Dominic Baggi. Yeah, but, you know, as we saw, losing Diaz didn't seem to hurt too much. Acosta was injured for so long that he ended up, you know, they were almost playing without him before. Um, but, yeah, when you look at it on paper, it's like, yeah, they did lose a lot. Lama was a guy who kind of fell off last year, lost his starting spot. Rudy was a very, was his, like, contract was set to go up from, like, 700000 to $1.2 million a year. So it was like, okay, yeah, get rid of him. Uh, UO, uh, Ujoa, I thought, was a, was a pretty decent player. Um, Akindele was a, and you know, Figueroa was an older guy. You can see why they'd want to move to him. It, it's tough to say, but I, I still look at this lineup. They still, you know, have they've met Hedges, uh, Redo Ziegler, Ryan Hollingshead was kind of their defense at the end of last year. Uh, I still have Michael Barrio, Santiago Mascara, Dominic Baggi, uh, Grezo Acosta. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm interested to see who they fit in these younger guys because they brought in, uh, Aranguiz, who was meant to be, you know, the, their future number ten star. I am disappointed. Hoping he gets some time. <laughs> I am disappointed that they didn't keep Kellen Acosta. They could have had Brian and Kellen Acosta in a midfield. Oh, oh. the two Acostas. Yes. ESPN thirty for thirty then, special. Then they could have traded for Lucho Acosta. Ooh, see now you're thinking on a different level. Diego Costa comes in later on when you know he wants that money. Then you bring Why? in David Zappa Costa. I, I'm just saying. There's levels to it. I mean, why stop there? Why not Douglas go get Josue Coleman and play both Coleman? Oh, we're competing for that team again with the least amount of last names possible. You and I always thought it would be Traore, but looks like maybe just names that ended in Costa could be. Acosta could be the one. I was expecting Traore, but we're on a whole different level here now. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, <laughs> the other player, I, I, I don't, I don't want FC Dallas fans to think that we, we think they're a joke. This is, this is very serious, but. Uh, this team has talent. Like you mentioned, there are some pretty decent players still here. I, you know, When I first kept looking at this team in terms of where I saw them coming into this year, I, I didn't think a whole lot of them, but going up and down this roster over and over again, I keep getting sold on this idea that, well, I mean, this guy's really not that bad, and you know, this, this piece isn't as bad as I thought it was. One thing for sure, this team still strikes me as one that will still be able to play defensively because, you know, Hedges on that back line, he's a very good, solid MLS player. I like Grezo playing in front of the back line. Same with Acosta. You know, he's going to play a little mm-hmm. more box-to-box here, but that's going to help with that defense. They've brought in that uh, 28-year-old center back from – or 26-year-old center back from Gremio Brasan. Good pedigree 
for a team that went to the semifinals of Libertad Lodos. Now, I know he wasn't playing a whole lot at Gremio, but still a pretty good pedigree from a player to come in from there. They still have Reggie Cannon at right back. Right. Uh, Hollings had, had a, a decent end of last year. They still have uh, Jesse Gonzalez, who's is he 23 now. He's kind of starting to age out of that uh, future star that we all, all expected him to be. Right, yeah. Uh, He's going to be 24 in April. Wow. Yeah, but this team does have, we'll give it to them, seven homegrowns. I think that's second just behind the New York Red Bulls, who have eight. To be fair, the Red Bulls have some of their homegrowns, like Connor Lade, who's 29. <laughs> so the Red Bulls have been doing it quite a long time. They've been sticking at it. So they're trying to become Red Bulls West is what you're saying. Or, I mean, well on their way to it, let's be honest. Red Bulls South, maybe. Mm, okay, fair. fair. I think Vancouver is trying to go Ooh. Red Bulls. So there you go. So who will be Red Bulls North? Uh, we'll see. Maybe Red Bulls be Red Bulls North. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, average age of 24, it is overall a young team. Yes, it is. Um, so despite having guys like Hedges, Ziegler in his 30s, uh, the Polish guy, Ondrasek. <laughs> I was just going to say, you can't, you kept calling him the Polish guy. I'm like, man, he's, <laughs> he really doesn't want to say is this guy's name. I'm not afraid. Zendenek Ondrasek. I mean, listen, I've been pretty good at pronouncing Polish names this far. <laughs> But he's not the only Polish guy forward. It's a, you know, the Union have one. It seems like it's just like a like a token Polish guy <laughs> that teams are starting to get since he has one now. Well, this guy scored 12 goals in 20 matches in Poland. Ah, you know what? I'm... No, yeah, he does seem like the real deal. He played on a good team, too. Um, so Manja he's... Nikolic, the perfect uh, thing to kind of follow there. Yeah, they were they were competitors there. I and mean, look at what happened to Nikolic. Uh, hey, listen, Baji is fast. I haven't seen enough of a goal-scoring record for him to make me think, oh, this guy's a great forward. So Ondrasek does give you that, okay, you know, if Badgie is, you know, only capable of scoring eight goals a year, you have this guy who probably has it in him to, to push him further. Well, we shall see. So that's it for the uh, previews for this week. Now, Emmett wanted to do a readiness scale, so without further ado, Emmett, take it away. Who do you think's most ranked them from most ready to least ready? So if you've noticed our last episodes, we've been trying to group these teams in some sort of order. Again, I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> but, but right now, I'm ranking them Dallas, number one, ready for next season. I think they're a playoff team. Uh, Cincinnati, I think they are. Uh, they have some experience. They have, um, you know, they're pretty even across the board, maybe lacking a little bit in attack. I think they're a seven seed. Galaxy, I think they're on the edge of the playoffs, just missing out. Revs then as well, and Vancouver, I think, is going to be tough for them to, to get out of the bottom when we see so many teams like San Jose uh, trying to shed the wooden spoon label. I think Vancouver is going to be struggling this year. Okay. Uh, I actually agree with those uh, the, the bottom two in that same order, Revolution and Vancouver. I think Vancouver could be on their way to a wooden spoon season. And, uh, you know, look, the signings they've made in the last just last couple of days, they really made a lot of progress since I started writing these notes. So uh, sometimes I feel like I'm just trying to convince myself, and I think that's what's happening here, is I'm trying to convince myself that this Vancouver team with a lot of mix-and-match pieces, again, trying to move on from, you know, two really two players kind of leading their attacking line. I think they'll struggle a lot this season. Uh, the Revs, I don't know that they'll struggle so much as they just won't, they won't be anything special. They'll get results. You know, teams will hate to have to go play in that fortress in uh, New England, in Foxborough. They'll hate to have to go there because Brad Friedel has shown time and time again last season that he is very good at game planning for teams coming in. Teams have struggled. Even the top ones have struggled going there. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I'm putting Dallas at three. 
I just, it's a lot of turnover, and it's a lot of players to go in and out. And we'll see, you know, we'll see how they resolve that you know, DP thing, too, because somebody's got to go, or they have to buy someone down. Something's got to happen there. And I think if right. they lose Grezo, I do think that's actually a massive hit for the team. I think they have a, a lot of players playing the same position, and I think that they'll have to kind of reconstruct the roster again next offseason. Not so much a you know, full rebuild, but I'm thinking more along the lines of just, you know, moving some guys to get the team a little more balanced. Right now, that team has a lot of players kind of on both ends of the field, not a whole lot. Uh, elsewhere and then Cincinnati I have it second I I, I may be overrating them a little bit but I, I do think that they've made a lot of impressive moves this offseason to get a competitive team on the field and I think at this point the the anxiety of it all is to just get out there right has got to be weighing yeah. on them of course I do want to see them play and finally the LA Galaxy I have them at number one I think I, I just have them here because I think they should have made the playoffs last season and I think they will this time Here's one more thing. Um, it's, it seems our only mix is we switched Galaxy and Dallas. So overall, fairly similar. Um, I want to mention this about Vancouver. They have made some signings recently, but let's look at the other bottom teams in the West. Minnesota, San Jose, making big changes, big overhauls, and looking like they want to make into the playoffs. Vancouver, I just don't think I've seen that. And I think that's why we would agree that they're, they're bottom Revs, same thing. I agree with you there. And the top three, I think they all could possibly make the playoffs, but they're up in the air. Well, we, they're questionable. We've definitely hit the mid. You know, when fourteen teams make the playoffs, it is relatively difficult for us to, you know, say that some of these when we've already hit this mid tier of teams. Like it's just because I don't think that this team is you know good in this group doesn't mean. For example, like the Revs, I would put them above just about every team we talked about last week outside of Minnesota and Minnesota. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I see that. I mean, that's why, again, we have them, you know, maybe finishing 8th, ninth, just on the edge. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I can agree with a lot of things you said. It's This is going to be a group that's it's up in the air. You know, we don't know what we're going to expect out of them next year. Uh, I guess. Except for the Revs, uh, probably. Yeah, well, the, Re- the Revs, yeah, the Revs may be a little more established than the rest of these teams, who are, all have new managers here, except for the Revs. Didn't even realize. Well, uh, Koch, I guess, doesn't count, but... New team, new team, new league. Yep, new manager. New manager. Got it. Uh, speaking of things we had no idea and new managers, how it was going to look. The U.S. took on Panama in an empty stadium with no more than eight thousand people in it. You can't convince me that there were more than ten thousand. I will grant you ten thousand anymore, and, and I'm, I will not accept a person more was there. Okay, but what if I sold you on ten thousand and five? No, ten thousand I- is the most I'm willing to give you. I would have liked to be there just to hear at the end the announced uh, ticket sales because, you know, it's always more tickets were sold than people who show up. So then maybe that five could have been just sales that didn't show I just, up. I just, I, oh my goodness. Look, I, I don't want to dwell on it. We talked about it when they announced the, they, we talked about it last week when we previewed the game. Nonsense. Don't ever do that again. You just look, you look stupid doing that. Yeah, this wasn't a great look for them. Uh, and you can't tell me they made any money. How could they possibly? How much does that building cost to rent? That size filling up that much is definitely not a good, <sighs> not a good look for them. Uh, it's it's something I think the U.S. will look in the future. The stadium choices have you know been questioned in the past year, so uh, this will certainly be another one. But for me, it was just exciting to see Burhalter out there. Yes, it was. And my boy Danny Lovitz, don't forget him. <laughs> Lovitz getting the Love start. Love to see that. Uh, and he he was he had a pretty solid game. I mean, 
across the board with so many new names, there was a certain tentativeness uh, across the board that, you know, really started only getting eased up when you could see Panama starting to tire at the end. Yeah, no, and, you know, everyone was kind of like, I think the talk of the town, you know, so to speak, was the the way the U.S. lined up. They had a lot of different looks in this game against Panama that, you know, a lot of people were buzzing about, specifically one guy, Nick Lima, playing right back and also playing in the midfield. When they were in the attack, he was kind of squeezing in. It was almost Guardiola-esque, dare I say. I think you dare say. Uh, Lovitz, who is, as I know, I'm a winger, was playing center back. And left back. Uh, yeah, um, but it was almost like the... Guardiola days of uh, Barca, where Danny Alves is playing like a like a right defensive mid, um, and allowing uh, in this case it would be uh, Roldan to push up. And honestly, I was pretty impressed with Roldan. It might have just been that you know the wasn't a great Panama team. The rest of the team, people around him were maybe slightly lower level, a little tentative. But he was impressive. Um, but it was interesting because at times it looked like a three-two-two-three. Which is not a formation that I see very often. Really, I had it listed down as more of a three-three-one-three, but yeah, you know, an attack anyway. <laughs> well, I so I things. think I live for this, right? <laughs> right so I, 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 you see, you saw so many different lineups. Sometimes it was almost like a like a four-five-one, right, or uh, a four-three-three, yeah. Um, but Roldan almost had like a free roam range with that box to box, which you don't, you normally see more for like your number tens for like Mihailovic. But he was almost like more set in being a number ten, playing under the striker. And Roldan was like, yeah, go anywhere. Uh, and it often sometimes it left holes. I was surprised the left side honestly wasn't more uh, exposed because if Bobase was playing very far forward, Ugh. if Bobase playing winger was an interesting decision, but we talked about positional freedom. Zardis playing number nine gives him that positional freedom because we saw time and time again, Bobase make a run inside and Zardis kind of coming outside. Yeah, and actually Bobase had a pretty good uh, cross net left foot there. I was uh, surprised to see that for a guy who's known for his hold up play. Uh, but so yeah, he was pretty far forward, and with Lovitz tucking in. And you would say, okay, probably Roldan was supposed to cover on that side. But Roldan was drifting to the right side where he normally does anyway. There was a massive gap on that left side uh, that Lovitz had to mostly cover. Uh, And honestly, we also saw Aaron Long sliding over and almost playing um, as like a left center back at times. Yes. He also Uh, had Lovitz pushed forward. So uh, tactically, it was very, very intriguing. Yeah. you know we like these kind of things. So <laughs> Yeah, no, it was. And, uh, you know, Corey Baird also getting a start and playing kind of right wing, right wing back at times. Like, he just, he was all over the place, too. I thought he was very impressive as well for uh, his first time. I agree. Um, you know, we're going to take this all with a grain of salt, to be fair. It is the Panama C a... team, C team. <laughs> yeah, an... it's, it is a weak Panama team. Uh, you know, you could say the same thing about the U.S. men's national team. But, again, these are all guys who should be competing to get into the next into the next group except for Bradley uh yeah agreed uh no look first of all were you also interested to see Aaron Long was the captain not Michael Bradley that was interesting it's almost like uh uh Halter kind of letting him know like you're here but you're on a thin leash um I like that because I think Aaron Long's a good player um I don't know I don't know about his leadership skills because I'm not there at these camps uh, but it'd be interesting to see. It seems like the guys had some a pretty good camaraderie out there. Well, way to give away our secret, Emmett. Goodness. Next, you're going to tell not. them we've never been. Oh, goodness. 
What, that we're not at camp right no. now? Yeah. I, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't live in Chula Vista. It's true. We, sometimes I wish we did, given how cold it was this week in the Midwest. Negative uh, 46, by the way, was the coldest I saw. That is brutal. Uh, bringing it back, there was we didn't see everyone, but we did see a lot of subs. Jonathan Lewis impressed on the left wing. Sebastian Legette, Mr. Uh, versatility. Uh, Paul Ariola. Oh, yeah, Ariola. Yeah. Got a little bit of time on the right. Didn't really do much uh, for me. Uh, Christian Ramirez coming up for a goal. Not really doing much else. Interesting to see. I'll be uh, excited to see how they change things up next time. Yeah, well, I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to brag a little bit more about Mihailovic before we get off this game because oh, of course. that's Do my boy. That's my boy. Made me so proud. Uh, S- scoring off a deflection. Whoa, 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 whoa. It was a great play by Mihailovic. Great <laughs> run. He had great vision all night. He looked very good, and I think the reviews from camp have shown in that game as well. Again, grain of salt everywhere, but it gives me a little bit of hope for the fire this season. And more importantly, again, gives me hope that this guy – is promising enough to be possibly a number 10 on the national team, which would help a lot because I tell you one thing, as much as we all kind of want Christian Pulisic to play that role, if somebody else can play it very well, maybe not at Pulisic's level because Pulisic is still the best team, best player on the team, but if that means you can push Pulisic out wide, that's another position you have covered and covered well. Right. So it's always a good and, thing. And it's a situation where Pulisic is more of a natural winger and that um, you have more depth at least at number ten, so I I do like seeing him there because there aren't a lot of tens in the in the uh, in the pool, and I was impressed with him overall. I'll give you that. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, the only thing left to do is uh, the game against Costa Rica on Saturday. It's on Big Fox. I don't know why, but it's in San Jose Stadium, so there'll hopefully be a bigger crowd and you know more full, less empty seats at the very least. Uh, yeah, uh, Canus, the only player that I'm didn't see play that I'm hoping starts the next game. It's the only any everybody else is kind of whatever for me, but Canus definitely deserves oh, wait, wait. to play. Everyone else is 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 whatever. So you mean just like the three Philadelphia Union players? Yep, all of and them. One, the two and one former. I would expect to see Mackenzie Trusty and Rosenberry out there next game. To be honest, we'll see. Given that they were the only other ones to not play, and Will Trap. No, Will Trap got. No, some Will time. Trap got in there. He, he got in there. <laughs> kind of inconspicuously got in bit. there. Uh, Marky Delgado didn't get in there either, but nobody wants to see I'd that okay. anyway. Yeah, I'd be okay with skipping out on that. That's okay. We can skip that. Reggie Cannon, did he get in? I don't think he did. He. <laughs> we should probably know this. Uh, but uh, yeah, whatever. There was a lot. Of, there were a lot of subs. Yeah. So it's even Sean Johnson got in, in there. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, I don't think like everyone deserves a chance. Like if one guy in camp is just pulling everyone down, just really not very good, they probably don't deserve the chance. Well, but it's like I, you know, it'd be nice yeah. to see. It's like I said last week. If you're if you don't play in this camp after being called into it and you're not injured, that's usually not a good sign. Right. Because you get six subs per game and there's two games. If you didn't get any playing time in there, unless you're a goalie maybe, that's that's pretty rough. So, And there's only two goalies here, so they've already both played. So that's already out the window. Yes. Yes, it for is. For them at least. So we're going to wrap things up. <laughs> the national team, by the way, Costa Rica, Saturday. Uh, the English broadcast rights for that CONCACAF Nations League, everyone's new favorite competition, uh, has been bought by Flow Sports. You might know them as the people that bought the DC United rights before. Uh, thankfully, the U.S. games in the group stage are not included in this deal. They said that they will revert to the ESPN and Fox deals for those. Now, my only question is there will be away games in that phase. 
And the away games are not usually covered by ESPN and Fox when they're in CONCACAF. So that's interesting. Uh, anyway, the group stage only, by the way, is specifically mentioned in that Fox press release that says that they'll have the games. So that means that there is a semifinal and a final phase to this competition next March. And that, to me, tells me that, this, that those games are going to be on this service. Well, it's another competitor, and like that, it's just another thing to have to buy if you want to watch soccer. $150 a year is what this thing costs. That's insane. ESPN Plus is $50 a year. Uh, I couldn't find Fox because uh, their subscription model is through cable. Bleach Report, 120 NBC Gold, 50 a year. Flow, 150 I can't, I'm not buying all of these subscriptions. What are, who do they think I am, is, Mr. Moneybags? I always worried when they said, oh, cord cutting is going to become more common. I always worried that this was the route we were going to go down, was everything was just going to be expensive. It's going to have to be because the way it works is these, uh, you know, ESPN subsidizes. Because, you know, a lot of people watch ESPN. Not many people might watch QVC. They all subsidize each other. Right. Uh, so... QVC can stay on the air or whatever. I don't. People <laughs> might watch. If you if you listen to this and you watch QVC, I'm assuming it's not the same market, but so be it. And hopefully, I haven't insulted you. That. <laughs> listen, we love but, all our new listeners that we we have. So please don't take Emmett's words to heart. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's also just too much. I shouldn't be expected to maintain over five uh, subscriptions just to watch soccer. You know, I right, it but, used to be just one with cable. I might cable's coming back. I don't care. <laughs> You're bringing back cable. Huh? Bringing back cable. Cord cord uncutters. Cord. <laughs> I don't even know what you. Cord mean. installers. Cord installers. There you go. Yeah. No. I, I look because and you might think there now. So there might be a discounted price. I know there is for DC United fans. If you only want DC United games, I think they give you a discounted price. But oh my goodness gracious! And then I've heard that Flow Sports Productions aren't very good to begin with. So that's even more puzzling. But. Ah, whatever. I, I haven't watched any on there, so I shouldn't. I, you know, I'm not going to give too many thoughts on that. It, it's a bad idea. I know it's. I know they probably offered the most money, and I get that this tournament probably wasn't the most sought after. But, uh, whatever. It's all right. That's we move on. We'll move on because you know what? It's where it's where the world's heading, and you know we we love ESPN, we love Fox, we love we love Bleacher Report, we love NBC, but maybe not all separately. Yeah, we love them together as when they're one thing, when they're soccer. Um, but moving on, just finishing out, there's some big transfers recently that must be touched upon. Yeah, Jovinko heading to the Middle East. Uh, that is the report uh, made official. Jovinko has already gone on Instagram and complained that he would have stayed in Toronto for less money, but apparently he didn't feel very wanted. So Interesting. he's gone. I. I you know we'll see because the Toronto has already rebutted and saying well that's news to us two sides to every story we'll see how that goes I, I don't know look for less money keep in mind he's making 10 million over there so for less money he's already making 6 million right less money than 10 could be like he demanded a pay raise to go to 8 yeah I mean says he wasn't wanted maybe no one brought him a birthday cake I don't uh, know I hate he when did, that happens he did, he did have a falling out, it seemed, uh, in their training camp. So, But this will be a blow to Toronto because he was, for a period of time, the best player in the league. Yes, he was. And, and his, his contributions to the league can't be understated. You know, I know we're going we're gonna to have some laughs at, at Toronto's expense, and we're going to talk about Chavinko probably being on the decline sooner rather than later. But it, what he did for the league, coming from Juve, 
and and being the league's best player for a while, it can't be understated how good he was for a period of time. And even last season, he had moments. Remember the Coca Cola Champions League? He took over games, and it was it was um, incredible. So he still and his numbers were still fantastic. He was still a good player. Toronto as a team just wasn't as good. Uh, Almiron, Newcastle, done. No more for DPs on that lineup. Uh, most expensive transfer ever for Newcastle. I'm going to be watching him, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's definitely going to be interesting for them. They are a team fighting out of relegation. It's their record signing. It's the biggest signing in the history of the Newcastle club, which is you know, a very historic club. Obviously, money these days has been made a little bit you know easier to spend, but this is an owner that hasn't been willing to spend a whole lot of money. So it says something that he was willing to do this, and this could be big for people coming out of MLS getting contracts elsewhere. Because if Almiron ends up being a big influence of this Newcastle team, even if they do go down, uh, I think we'll start seeing MLS being targeted much more for prospects. Agreed. And uh, just, to, just to hit Toronto really quickly, there's talks that they're in talks for Terrence Boyd, former U.S. men's national team. Well, I guess current. I guess. He hasn't been called up in a while, but I guess right. he always could be. Uh, he's been playing in Germany. And then there's also talks of bringing in this guy, Algerian playmaker Sofian Hani. Spartak Moscow player to be the replacement for Jovinko, which would make a lot of sense because, you know, Jovinko playing kind of the 10, second striker role, that seems like a one-for-one switch. Yeah, and with Altidore's injuries uh, being so frequent, they're probably going to need someone who can, you know, play a lot. Right. And they need someone. Yeah. So that does it for that. Uh, There was one more Lucho Acosta for a little while yesterday. Looked like he might be leaving for PSG or Man City. That was so out of nowhere. And yeah. the details are kind of leaking out in the last few hours, talking about how, well, Lucho Acosta kind of wanted the move, and then, you know, they, there was a proposed bid of $10 million. DC United asked for, like, 13 or something, and they or 15 and they weren't willing to pay it. You know, so the truth somewhere in the middle. We'll see. Maybe we'll hear more about it in the future, but it does seem like Lucho Acosta was coveted by these clubs, and in the end, they were only willing to offer so much before DC United raised the price on them and walked away. Well, one report had Lucho Acosta being Neymar's replacement while he was injured. Can't say I've heard a more ridiculous thing recently, That's but he's a good player. That was, that was awesome. That's the best rumor I've ever heard. Acosta as a Neymar replacement. But unfortunately, that is all the time we have this week for the American Soccer Show. Don't forget, forget to subscribe and check out past episodes. You can find us on iTunes, Google, or wherever podcasts are made for all of your American soccer needs. Uh, don't forget to leave a review. Apparently, it helps. That's what, they, that's what my producer tells me. Uh, Love that Leave guy. us a good review if you can. Like we say, at least three stars. We'll take that. Uh, show us some love. Until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor signing off.